You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome into the Hogbeat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader. Guys, we got a lot to get to today. It was a crazy game at LSU. And then Arkansas against Northern Iowa on Wednesday night. We, I mean, we have to talk about that game. Um, and then, of course, Arkansas plays Alabama as a ranked team in Tuscaloosa. Now, we know the line is like, what, 22, 20, something like that. Um, but we're going to start with LSU. And what a game, Andrew Hutchinson. You got to travel down to Baton Rouge. So just start off by talking about what was the atmosphere like in Baton Rouge for an LSU team that's down, but, you know, it's still the, it's still the battle of the golden boot. Yeah, it was still a Saturday night in Death Valley, which was really cool. It was only my second time ever getting to make a trip down there, and the other one was 2017 when it was an 11 a.m. kickoff. So didn't really get to get the full Baton Rouge experience then, and uh, I did this time around, and and I got to I hung out with the, some LSU fans at a tailgate before the game, and they were very nice. I know they get a bad bad reputation sometimes, but they they treated me to some Cajun food. Uh, were really, you know, showed good hospitality. And then uh, the game itself was, was incredible. Uh, they, they, I think they announced a crowd of 98,000. It was definitely not 98,000 fans there. The upper deck was pretty empty. And there were also pockets in the lower level that were empty. Uh, but at kickoff, it was pretty loud. I mean, the, as the team ran on the field and they did all their pregame hoopla, they have fireworks and pyrotechnics and all that good stuff. And it was it was really cool. I mean, it it gave it gave you goosebumps. Uh, but it was the strangest thing. By halftime, most of the fans had left, and by the time the overtime period rolled around, it was it, the Arkansas fans were by far louder than the LSU fans. It was it was strange considering uh, it was a close game. It wasn't like Arkansas blew them out and everyone left early. I mean, it was a tight game throughout. But uh, those LSU fans left. I, I think they think they may have given up on the season. All right, well, we'll get, we'll get to the, the game-winning kick by Cam Little later on, but I want to start from the beginning, and I'll bring Alex Trader in on this. Arkansas, it seemed like their first drive, they go down, they get a field goal. Things look good, um, but then the offense just stalls out for the rest of the first half. What do you think was going on? I mean, we know the LSU defense was playing really good, um, sending a lot of blitzes to Arkansas, but Alex, just what did you see from the Arkansas offense? And um, what do you think that they did well as far as adjustments in the second half? Yeah, I, th- I think this was a really interesting game where you kind of phased back to to Arkansas offenses that you weren't seeing. It, it looked more like the Auburn game than the, the Mississippi State game and the, uh, the Ole Miss game. And I was a little bit surprised because of what LSU's put on tape thus far. Um, I thought the Bama game that they had was a fluke, and it looks like the defense might actually be kicking it into another year, even without Derek Stingley, even without Eli Ricks. Um, I I do think the offense did a good job of going out there and kind of getting a little bit going, but they're still, even in the second half, when you weren't stalling out and going three and out every possession, you were still um, not able to drive down and get those kind of, quick hit plays that we've seen so so often this season Hutch, the defense really came up clutch for most of the night it was it was almost the same thing as the mississippi state game where it was like a bend don't break type thing um but they looked they looked even better than they did against mississippi state and that's that's saying something because garrett nussmeyer played most of the game at quarterback for lsu um Honestly, like, why do you think that they did that? I mean, do you think that Nussmeyer is that much better than Max Johnson? Yeah, that was a really peculiar uh, decision by Ed Orgeron uh, because Max Johnson, yeah, he didn't do great, you know, the first couple of series, but, you know, neither did Garrett Nussmeyer. And and it sounds like they were both going to get two series and they were going to go from there. It just so happened that they started running the ball with, with Nussmeyer in there and I think he was at one point like one of six passing with the one completion being the, the wild scramble and heave to the back of the end zone that just happened to find a receiver. Uh, so it wasn't like Nesmeyer was, you know, kicking butt and, and that's why they left him in. It, it was a little strange. Yeah, I'm not sure does Max Johnson being an, an older guy, which he's not old by any means, but he is got, does have more experience. Does he maybe 
not make the mistakes Nussmeyer did and, you know, the two critical interceptions. I don't know. Um, but I, I thought they should have given Max Johnson another chance. And plus, I guess I heard uh, yesterday that, that Max Johnson is going to be starting LSU's game this weekend. And I don't understand why. That it just seems weird that you would start Max Johnson, play him two series, play Nussmeyer the rest of the game, and then still start Max Johnson the next week. It's very odd, but hey, what, what are they going to do? They, are they going to fire Coach O? I mean, he, he's got nothing to lose at this point. Well, at least from the Arkansas perspective, the defense looked good. The secondary looked improved. I mean, Miles Slusher had a great pick. We know the Monteric Brown pick in overtime. Um, Hutch, I want to ask you, Miles Slusher isn't Jalen Catalan, but he's filling in the shoes pretty well. Um, you know, it was it, it was tough for a little bit there, but, I mean, Miles Slusher is a guy you can trust at safety now. Yeah, I mean, Slusher isn't maybe the the big hitter that Jalen Catalan is, but he might be better than than Catalan was in coverage. And that's saying a lot because Catalan's pretty good. Now, I'm not quite ready to make that jump, uh, but Slusher's really coming on strong and showing why he was a, a four-star recruit recruited by all sorts of teams across the country. So, uh, yeah, he is, he's been doing really, really well and seems to be getting a lot more comfortable uh, in, in that role. And I can't remember who it was, if it was Grant or, or somebody this week had said, uh, it's, it's not like Slusher is, is filling in Catalan's shoes at this point. He is out there and he is his own player and, and he's kind of establishing himself as uh, the leader of the back end of that defense. On the offensive side of the ball, we saw K.J. Jefferson literally put the team on his back in the second half. The offense couldn't do much, but then in the second half, you just saw extra effort on every play from K.J. Jefferson, including that one big pass to Dominique Johnson. Um, Robert Stewart described it as a Derek Jeter-esque throw because he, he jumps up and throws it. And um, Alex, just on K.J. Jefferson's performance in the second half, how important is it to have an experienced quarterback like that who can just put the team on his back in the second half of a game and win it for you? I wouldn't say that Jefferson won it on his own, but he was a big reason why Arkansas won that game. Yeah, I think there was one huge difference in this game and, and what was able to help Arkansas get to overtime and eventually win it, and that was – there was no turnovers. You, you had a guy back there playing very good football for Arkansas, playing smart, not trying to do too much, even though that play kind of kind of broke a little bit and he was able to find Dom Johnson downfield. He, he wasn't forcing anything. And if you have a, a quarterback that's out there throwing the ball, trying to force it into tight spots and ends up getting picked off, um, it's going to be tough to beat a guy who's who's out there just playing smart. And those are some throws from KJ that we – really didn't see earlier in the year. We saw him kind of trying to hit unnecessary outs on the sideline against Georgia Southern, and he got picked off. And the same thing against Rice. Um, and in this one, it really comes down to he looks like he's become a smarter quarterback. And I think that's a real testament to not only him, but also the coaching staff and their ability to kind of say, hey, we need you to make these plays. We need you to put us in positions to where we're not going to have to have to have our backs against the wall. And I think he did a very good job of that this week. So the game ends up being tied at the end of regulation, 13 to 13. There was a little like clock situation there at the end of the game where I think everybody was confused, including the referees making the decisions. Um, and then, so it goes to overtime and uh, Arkansas gets a sack. I think, I believe it was Hayden Henry who got the sack and it was third and 30. And then LSU converts and then you get a Monteric Brown interception. So Hutch, then the Arkansas offense comes in. Cam Little kicks the game-winning kick. You're you're a you're a stats guy. You're the scholarships guy. How important is it to have a kicker like Cam Little on scholarship that you can trust to win a game like that? It's massive. And I mean, during the overtime period after after Monteric came down with the interception, I was very adamant in the press box saying they don't need to be conservative here. Don't be conservative because. I've seen it burn Arkansas in the past where, where they decide to take the air out of the ball and say, hey, we're just going to kick a field goal to try to win it. Uh, but Arkansas has not had a kicker like Cam Little in a long time. I mean, uh, I say that Connor Limpert was was very good. He had a game winner against Ole Miss. Uh, Zach Hawker, everyone remembers him. He was very good kicker. Uh, but what Cam Little is doing has been incredible. I mean, I think he's now 17 of 21 on field goals. And – 
several of them have been high pressure kicks. I mean, even against, you know, Rice, you know, Arkansas got off to that slow start and he had to kick a field goal late in the third quarter to tie the game. And uh, he had to kick a, a, a field goal against Texas A&M to, to really ice that victory. Uh, he had to make, I think, four against Texas in that game. Uh, so he has made some really, really clutch kicks in some big spots, uh, but none more than the, the 37-yarder that he, he won uh, the old LSU game with. It was the first time Arkansas has won in a walk-off field goal uh, since the end of the 2009 season when Alex Tejada made one to beat East Carolina in the Liberty Bowl in overtime. So been a while since Arkansas has had a kick quite like that, that that just you know immediately ended the game with an Arkansas victory. It was impressive. Um, and we're going to talk hoops next segment. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit of uh, what's going on with the football team this week. And I want to talk players who might be dealing with some injuries. We know Perotti had a concussion. Um, there's been talks of Rocket Sanders, some stuff going on with him. Hutch, have you heard any rumors about that? Um, kind of give us an update on any, anybody who's injured this week. Yeah, so Rocket Rocket has been out there in green uh, this week. You know, he only played one snap against LSU, which kind of told me something was up. And uh, Sam Pittman has not said what it is, just that he's a little beat up. Uh, Perotti, as you said, had, had was dealing with a concussion and did not uh, make the trip to LSU. However, it sounds like he should be back and ready to go. Uh, and then here's a little bit of a scoop that I haven't even posted anywhere, but uh, I have heard that Hudson Clark, uh, is dealing with an injury and is probably not going to make the trip to Alabama. He actually started against LSU uh, and I think played all right. You know, they, I don't remember him giving up any big plays, but you know, he's been splitting time at that corner spot with Ladarius Bishop. So it sounds like Bishop's going to have to be, you know, carry the load. Uh, not sure who the next corner would be, whether it be Kari Johnson or Devin Bush, one of those guys. Uh, but it sounds like they're going to be down a defensive back uh, when they head to Tuscaloosa this weekend. All right. Well, we're going to talk about that game later on. Hutch is going to talk with Mick Gillespie of BamaInsider.com. But coming up next, we're going to talk some Arkansas basketball. we got two games to recap, Gardner-Webb and Northern Iowa, and we'll do that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour talking some basketball. This segment, the Arkansas basketball team. Oh, I want to restart that. Never mind. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour talking some basketball. This segment, we've got two games to hit. One of them. Arkansas takes down Gardner-Webb on Saturday, 86-69. to 69. Connor Vanover game, everybody. Um, how many of those are you going to see this season? Probably not a whole lot. But you got one against Gardner-Webb, and we'll go ahead and start with that one. Vanover scores 19, gets seven rebounds and three blocks. Alex Trader, you were at the game. I mean, what went well for Connor Vanover? Yeah, I mean, just about everything. He, he was out there. He was really dominant down low. Um, and it, you could tell right away that he was kind of taking over. He got really hot really quick, only played 17 minutes in that one. And I, as soon as he started rolling, I, I looked up his career high. I was ready to go. I had, I had that stat, you know, on, you know in my hip, I was ready. Um, and then he just never saw the minutes in the second half. I think part of that's probably you want to see how other kind of different rotations are going to look, see who works together on the floor. You saw a lot of guys get into that one. Kamani Johnson, um, KK Robinson, Jackson Robinson. Towards the end of that one, I think it was a lot of just chucking up threes, and uh, some of them were going down for Jackson Robinson, and then for other guys, they mess weren't necessarily going as hot. But I think the real highlight and the real sticking point of that game is how dominant Vanover can be if he, you know, sticks down low and is able to find shots that that exploit the matchups he's in as a seven foot three guy. Now, there in the first half for a little bit, Gardner-Webb had Arkansas's number. They were knocking down some good shots. And then there at the end of the first half, Arkansas just goes on a run, and it seemed like they couldn't miss a shot. So, Hutch, it's, it, that, that's kind of like Arkansas's thing is, you know, they go down for most of the first half, and then they pick it up, and usually they'll go into halftime leading, and it feels like they shouldn't be. So, um, how key is that for Arkansas to be able to go on those runs really against anybody? 
Yeah, Eric Musselman actually uh, dubbed a new term uh, after the uh, the Northern Iowa game, which we're going to talk about too. He said they have a lot of spurtability. Uh, they are capable of going on quick spurts at the blink of an eye, and and we've seen it in every game so far. We saw it against Mercer in the opener, of course Gardner Webb at the end of the first half, like you just mentioned, and then against Northern Iowa at the very end of the game. They they've done that, uh, and I think that just kind of shows you the firepower they have. I mean, they have two of the best shot creators uh, in, in college basketball, probably, in J.D. Notte and Chris Likes. And Devo can go get you a bucket. Uh, Jalen Williams can score a little bit. You know, a D.C. Tony and, uh, can, can clean up the glass and, and get offensive stickbacks. And they, they have guys that can score the ball. And especially if they get out in transition, uh, they're really good turning their, their defense into offense. So, uh, that just kind of seems to be their MO right now. Who knows if that's going to stay that way, you know, once they get into some better competition, uh, you know, especially next week when they play Kansas State and either Cincinnati or Illinois. Uh, they are going to be challenged, but it, it seems like they have the ability to, in the blink of an eye, put up 13, 15 points on you. And they, they did they did just that against Gardner Webb, but let's talk about that Northern Iowa game on Wednesday night. It was a it was a good game. Northern Iowa is a good team. Hutch, you mentioned before we started recording, you know, people thought going into this game, Arkansas is gonna dominate them because they had two um pretty bad losses. Um, I guess I think one was Nichols State. Uh and they played really well against the Hogs. Arkansas only had a forty to thirty-eight lead going into halftime. Um, there in the first half, Chris likes seemed to be the life of the offense. How key is it to have a guy like that coming off the bench, kind of like JD Note last year? Yeah, I think Eric Mussman really likes it. I asked him that question after the game, and uh, he said that he really likes being able to look down on the bit at the bench and know he has some scoring pop that he could put in. If, if things don't start out well, which as you mentioned, it seems like the, the kind of the MO for Arkansas is to fall behind early. Then he can put somebody in like J.D. Note last year, like Chris likes this year, and it's it's an immediate offense. I mean, Chris likes it. I think scored nine points in a two-minute span when he first came in the game. It was incredible, and one of them was the Sports Center number one play uh, uh, last night. So he is a just a dynamic player despite being five foot seven. He is incredibly fun to watch, and he electrifies Bud Walton Arena. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch him. And it sounds like, based on what Eric Mosman was saying, that he's going to stay on the bench just so he can provide that scoring uh, punch, uh, you know, off the bench. Which is something that Chris likes isn't used to doing. I mean, back to his time at Miami, he was the guy. And now he's coming off the bench for Arkansas. But if you're, you're going to score, what, 26 points a game off the bench, I'm sure he's not too mad about that. Um, Alex Trader. Oh, go ahead, Hutch. Yeah, I was going to say it. You know, whenever you're coming off the bench, you know, people make a big deal about starting or whatever, but I think Likes played 31 minutes. I mean, that's starter minutes. So it's it's basically like being a starter. You're just not out there for the first couple of minutes of the game. And I think that's one reason, you know, Chris Likes and J.D. Note last year really have bought into that role. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things. I mean, Arkansas started Connor Vanover last night. And they did that a lot last year, but it's like Connor Vanover will start, and then the very first substitution is Connor Vanover's out of the game, and you might see him one more time. And that's that's about what happened last night. Uh, Alex Strader, I did want to ask you about the three-point defense for Arkansas because that was a big deal, especially in the first half. I mean, Northern Iowa was just knocking them down, but Arkansas wasn't playing terrible defense um, on the three ball. So just what do you think they have to do to get better there? Yeah, I mean, that Northern Iowa shot the lights out. Credit to them yesterday. Uh, they were hovering around 50% for, for most of the game. And and some of them you could see they, the rotations weren't getting there. They weren't able to close out the way that you'd like to see. Um, and other ones, they were just hitting them right in, right in the Razorbacks' faces. And there's nothing you can do about that. I think it's more about um, kind of knowing your, your role. Northern Iowa, three-point shooting team, able to be out there and, and kind of hit those regularly. Um, so you probably won't see that against every team, but I think as far as the, the Arkansas side of things go, I wasn't overly upset with the three-point defense. I, I think there's some stuff to work on. It looks better than you, you might've seen earlier on. You saw guys hustling to close out 
most of the time there are only a few broken plays where it was truly a wide open shot. Um, and, and I think that'll only continue to get better as you become more comfortable as a unit. One of the biggest stories on the night was Devontae Davis getting ejected. Um, he was asking for it. You could see the frustration on that play. Um, he gets he gets basically pushed into the floor, gets up, throws the guy into the chairs. Um, Hodge, uh, I know the that that ejection does not carry over to the next game. I'm pretty sure, correct? Yeah, I don't think it's like targeting football. I think it's just a uh, you know ejection in that game and. Uh, it's good news for Arkansas because he's a vital piece. I, I care if it was Chris Likes or so, uh, or Stanley Muda. I think it was Likes said after the game that he's a vital player, and so guys had to step up in that, you know, in his absence. So, I mean, it, it might have worked out well for Arkansas because you had to have, you know, JD Note slide into that point guard role with with uh, Devo out and seemed to go well. He had nine assists and he flirted with the triple double, uh, and you you had to have you know rely on other guys without your you know leader on the team out there so considering it doesn't carry over like you know targeting as far as i know uh then it might have worked out well but you you've got to keep your cool if you're diva i mean it was 100 percent a warranted ejection it was very uncharacteristic uh but i was here i heard from a source after the game that uh he seemed to be in good spirits afterward and and it uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be you know affect him uh moving forward that's good to hear, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw a quote from Musselman after the game. Um, he basically said he didn't see the play, but that's something that you just can't do. You got to keep your cool. Um, so hopefully Devo doesn't do anything like that again. But not very long after Devo, uh, Jalen Williams goes into the locker room. He was he came up limping um, for a little bit, and then we see him come back out on the court uh, later on in the game. How I mean, we've talked about it time and time again on this podcast, Hutch, but. Jalen Williams, I mean, it seems like he's always hurt, but he's always playing through the paint. Yeah, he is a tough, tough dude. I mean, he had a – I think it was a knee injury during the preseason uh, that kept him out. Then he had some back spasms that kept him out of the uh, one of the exhibition games. Then he seemed to kind of tweak his back in the opener against Mercer. And then, of course, he seemed to roll his ankle uh, on a closeout uh, in the second half there, and he missed about – I want to say missed about eight minutes. But, yeah, he had to go to the locker room and – I thought he was done. I thought Arkansas was going to have to try to win that game without him. Uh, but luckily for them, he came back and he was still obviously hurting. Uh, he wasn't limping quite as bad as he was when he first left the court, but he was definitely not 100%. Uh, but he still managed to, to block a couple of shots, uh, came down with a big offensive board and stuck it back in, uh, hit another bucket, uh, and, and just played really, really good the last four minutes of the game when Arkansas went on its 13-0 run to, to pull away and, and come away with the win. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Northern Iowa. Looking forward to the future, though, uh, Nick Smith and Darian Ford both signed over the weekend. Um, completes the five-man class, ranked number two by some, ranked number five by rivals. Uh, are they done, Hutch? Are they done? I think so. I think they're done. I mean, Anthony Black is still out there. He's another, you know, high four-star, five-star recruit um, that they would still try to get, I think. But I think that ship has sailed based on what I've heard from, from Jackson Collier, our, our hoops expert over at Hogbeat. Uh, it sounds like they're done. And boy, you know, even if they are, it's a incredible class. Maybe the best ever Arkansas had during the uh, at least during the rankings era I mean you could talk about the class that had you know Lee Mayberry Todd Day Oliver Miller the class that had Scotty Thurman and Corliss Williamson but you know since 2000 or so when these recruiting rankings started it doesn't get much better than what Merritt Mossman has put together for 2022. All right guys well coming up next Hutch is going to talk with Mick Gillespie of BamaInsider.com catch you up on anything Alabama, get you set for Saturday, and then we will get you set for Saturday, Arkansas versus Alabama, after that here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. Welcome back to another edition of Know the Foe. I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of Hogbeat.com, your Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. 
The Hogs are 7-3 and three after yet another tight win, this time knocking off LSU down in Death Valley in overtime. They'll be back on the road again this week, and boy, it, it doesn't get any easier with the trip to Alabama on the horizon. With that, it's time once again to go behind enemy lines for some insider perspective on the upcoming game. Mick Gillespie covers the Crimson Tide for BamaInsider.com, the uh, Alabama Rivals site, and was kind enough to give us some time today. Mick, I appreciate it. How are you? Hey, good to see you, Andrew. And uh, yeah, come behind enemy lines here. Let's uh, let's talk a little football. Well, well, let's jump right into it. You know, usually when Arkansas plays Alabama, it's the number one team in the country. Uh, this year, the Crimson Tide are all the way down at number two. Um, how would you assess Alabama's season up to this point? Well, I think Nick Saban's done an excellent job of coaching these guys into thinking that they're winners and that they should win. I mean, you've seen it with Arkansas. Certain teams just figure out a way to win the close games, and Alabama's had to do that this year, which compared to 2020 uh, is a big difference. You know, they've played some tight ones. Um, they had to win down in Florida, had to hold on for a victory there. Uh, and then last, last home game against an SEC team was LSU. It was tight, but Alabama won. They've had their blowouts as well, but it hasn't been an easy season, even with the loss at Texas A&M. Uh, however, they're 9-1. and one. They've had to deal with a lot of injuries. Uh, they're very thin at running back, but uh, they're still dangerous. You know, Alabama is, has had kind of an embarrassment of riches at the quarterback spot the last several years, going from Jalen Hurst to, to Tua to Mac Jones. Uh, then there's been guys that have, have been there as backups and left and, and had success. You know, Tua's brother at Maryland, uh, even Lane Hatcher at Arkansas State uh, is doing well. How would you say Bryce Young, the, the current signal caller down there, uh, stacks up to his predecessors? Yeah, Jerome Ford at Cincinnati, another Alabama transfer, right? Look, I, I think that Bryce Young has done as good of a job as anyone could ask. Uh, he's uh, the leader right now as far as Heisman Trophy odds go, and he deserves to be. He's just been so accurate. He's given Alabama leadership, although he's you know really uh, a, a, a sophomore, right? I mean, he's he's been a guy that didn't start until this year. It looks like he's been a seasoned veteran, you know, this year uh, under center. I think he's been fantastic. And Alabama does not have the explosive game breakers that they had a year ago. Uh, there's no Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, uh, you know, Najee Harris is obviously in the NFL now, right? Um, and then you got, um, you know, Mac Jones, who might be the rookie of the year at quarterback, but it's been Bryce Young who's just been amazing for the Crimson Tide. The offensive line has had a lot of issues and he just is able to move around in the pocket and, and, and um, make plays. Despite that, Alabama has a couple of, uh, of game breakers. Keep an eye out for Jamison Williams. They're running back. He transferred from Ohio state. So that give you an idea of how good the receivers are at Ohio state, but he's been great. He's been uh, just an absolute uh, super find for Nick Saban out of the transfer portal coming in. John Mechie's been very consistent. He's had some big games. I think Alabama's still waiting for someone to emerge in that number three wide receiver spot. But the running back position has been the one that's just been so tough for Alabama, and it's because of injuries. Their best running back isn't Brian Robinson, who's a COVID senior, right? He shouldn't even be in college right now, but because of that, he got the extra year and came back, and he's been a workhorse. But it was Chase McClellan out of Texas who uh, you know, was one of those great recruits that Nick Saban got out of the Lone Star State. He was really, really good, and they lost him going into the Texas A&M game, and I think that really cost them in that one. Just kind of someone you could flip the ball to, make plays. Royda Williams – out for the season, needs knee surgery or got knee surgery. He was injured against New Mexico State. Alabama's down to two running backs. Trey Sanders, who was a five-star that got hurt and then got in a car accident and really hasn't come back to form yet, or maybe has and we haven't seen him a lot. Brian Robinson, we talked about before. And then they got a guy named Christian Leary, who was a receiver that now is playing running back. And Dowry Kennedy, who was a linebacker that's playing running back. Alabama very thin in that in that position. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that run game, and, and you hit it right there. But I was going to ask you for a little bit more on, on that that wide receiver duo, Jamison Williams and, and John Mechie. Uh, what what makes them such a good duo, and do they do do they complement each other well, or or what's kind of the scouting report on those guys? Yeah, look, uh, Jamison Williams is a, a deep threat. He's a speed guy. Uh, apparently, he's the fastest or the second fastest guy that Alabama has on their roster. He has made a lot of explosive plays this year, a little, a few drops, but besides that, he's been Alabama's most reliable target. And then John Mechie's more of, you'll see him across the middle. I don't want to say he's a possession receiver, but he makes big catches in traffic. He's a really strong guy. If you watched last year's SEC championship game, when Florida got the interception, he's the guy that came and forced that fumble. That was kind of iconic in that game last year. He's a big physical guy and, um, and, and has good hands. So that's what I guess makes those two guys so valuable for Alabama. You got Williams as your deep threat. And then Mechie, who gets targeted a lot on third down and makes a lot of those catches. Yeah, now flipping it over to the other side of the ball, it looks like Alabama is still Alabama with a dominant defense. Is it as good as what we're used to seeing? And what are the strengths of that unit? Well, it's been kind of inconsistent this year. Uh, first off, they have improved throughout the season. I thought they would be a lot better this year because on paper, it just felt like this was going to be a very, very good defense. I thought maybe along the lines of what Georgia has. Uh, but that hasn't been the case. They lost Chris Allen, who is one of their speed rushers at the beginning of the season against Miami. And it's been hard for Alabama to kind of replace him. Uh, they've also dealt with other injuries as well. Drew Sanders, who can get after the quarterback, uh, had surgery and he's back now. I think it was like on his hand. And the defense really has been led by William Anderson Jr., who is might be as good as Derek Thomas, a lot of people feel like, who's Alabama's all-time best pass rusher. I mean, you know, he had four sacks against Mississippi State. He was a one-team, one-person wrecking ball that, that game. And uh, he's got so many tackles for loss. I, I, I think he leads the SEC at the double-check that, but he's, he's as good as Alabama's ever had, and it's been his defense. And then the secondary's been – inconsistent they make a lot of big plays and then all of a sudden there will be like you know assignments missed and you'll see guys running down the field wide open you know so I'm, I'm curious to see how Alabama uh, is able to continue to get better in that capacity uh, in these tight games you know those big plays are are, are huge right Henry To'o transferred from Tennessee at linebacker He's been inconsistent. He's a really smart player. He can call the defense, but hasn't been as good as we thought. Uh, but he had a really good game last time out, last few games, actually. So uh, maybe as some of the younger players get better, it, it'll make it easier on guys like To'o To'o. But really, well, William Anderson Jr. for Alabama is the guy to keep an eye on, number 31. He's just an absolute wrecking ball. And some people feel like he should be a candidate for the Heisman Trophy. Yeah, that was actually going to be my, my next question was about Anderson specifically. I, I looked up, I'm pretty sure he leads the country in tackles for loss and sacks. Uh, is, is that, was that kind of production expected from him? And, and do you personally believe he uh, belongs in that Heisman consideration? Yeah, look, I, I think he's as good as it gets. And I mean, without him, uh, Alabama, him and really Bryce Young, Alabama would be in deep trouble. But uh, his ability to get after the quarterback is unprecedented. And, and sometimes he, you know, Phil Mathis has started to come on late with the pass rush. That's helping out a lot. He needs a little bit of help just so that he doesn't get double teamed. And, uh, you know, and, and he still seems to get to the quarterback even when that's the, the scenario. But, yeah, he's as good as advertised. I mean, he's just one of the best defensive players ever. And, I mean, the crazy thing is that he's coming back next year. He's not even eligible for the draft yet. That's kind of a scary thought for uh, opposing offenses for, for uh, at least one more year. So uh, I'm also curious, you mentioned that the inconsistencies maybe in the secondary. And uh, if you were an offensive coordinator and you had to, to try to game plan against this Alabama defense, is there anything you would specifically try to do or any weaknesses you try to exploit or how would you go about that? That's a good question. Alabama's defense is good. Uh, they make adjustments. 
Um, you know, Tennessee came out with their, their offense and hit Alabama with some big plays. Uh, Alabama did a great job in that game on third down and time of possession, but Tennessee struck quick and that was with tempo. And, you know, that's something I know Arkansas is going to try to do, I guess, just, you know, just continue to get all those plays in and, and, and push Alabama, uh, Alabama against the runs pretty solid and Tennessee never really get a, a, a run established. So I'm guessing, you know, that would be part of it right there would, would, you know, would try to you know, just catch Alabama off, off balance a little bit. I thought Tennessee did a good job of that. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, LSU had a couple sustained drives in the game that they played against Alabama, but only scored 14 points. Uh, you know, Ole Miss had a decent second half against Alabama, but the game was over. Florida found something running and passing the ball, and their quarterback did a lot of running. So that's something that Arkansas probably would look to do too with a quarterback that can run the ball, and it's hard to bring down. And the last thing I got for you, I think Alabama opened as a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. I think it quickly dropped down to 20-and-a-half. Uh, you don't necessarily maybe have to make a prediction yourself, but how do you see this game playing out, and, and can Arkansas keep it close? Yeah, I, I do a, a show on the college sports book, gambling show. I talk about this all the time. Arkansas has been one of the toughest teams for me to handicap this year. You know, I was kind of – not a believer at the beginning of the year. And then, the, and I kept losing and then took them against Georgia and you know how that turned out, but I did win with Arkansas last week when they played LSU. So I finally got off the snide with the Razorbacks. Uh, I, I think they're going to cover the 22 or 21 point spread. I just feel like for Alabama right now, they are explosive, but I, I just could see Arkansas trying to play a game where they're going to limit Alabama's possessions. Uh, they have a good defense uh, that uh, Alabama had six rushing yards against LSU. I know a lot of that had to do with sacks in the game, but um, 22 seemed awful high for me, but I'm going to tell you right now, Alabama seems to find a way to cover these big spreads. Sometimes I think me personally, though, 22 just seemed like an awful lot. I was kind of surprised to be honest with you that the spread was that high. I probably would have had it around 16 maybe somewhere in that neighborhood well I, that's all i got for you mick yeah I, I appreciate you taking some time to give us some insight on the crimson tide and, and as a reminder uh kickoff is scheduled for 2 30 on saturday the game will be on cbs and if you're watching this on youtube be sure to hit that subscribe button that way you can always see these know the foe interviews as well as press conferences practice clips recruiting videos and much more and as always be sure to check out hogbeat.com for our coverage of all things Arkansas. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas and hitthatline.com. All right, back here on the Hogbeat Hour, we're talking Alabama this segment. Arkansas is a 21-point underdog to the Crimson Tide. Hutch, just first thoughts about that one. Um... I don't know how I feel about it because it's like, well, Arkansas seems to lose Alabama 15, 52 to nothing every year. So what do you think about the 21-point line? You know, it's a, it's a respectable line. You know, the last several years it's been 30-something. And I think last year so it was like 40 or something crazy. And, of course, Alabama covered it because I think they won 52-3 to three last year. Um, so, yeah, it's – it's a uh, <clears throat> quite the line. Uh, I don't know if Arkansas can cover it. it. You feel it just feels different this year going into the Alabama game. Like I don't feel like Arkansas has a chance to win really, but I feel like they have a very good chance to be competitive, and that's vastly different than recent years. So uh, I don't know if they're going to cover. You know, we you know you heard my conversation with Mick. He was having a hard time getting a real good read on it, uh, but he thinks. Arkansas has a really good chance to cover, and if he thinks that, then I might lean toward that as well. But I think it could still be end up being like Arkansas loses by seventeen or something like that. Yeah, it is. It is a weird line to predict. And he, I remember Mick said that Arkansas has been one of the hardest teams to get a gauge on this year of how are they going to compete against the opponent. Um, but I mean, the Hogs are ranked number twenty-one in the college football playoff highest ranking or latest latest in the season to be ranked since 2011 
um, which is pretty pretty good for the Hogs. I mean, they're seven and three, four game win streak. Um, but Bama this year in general, Hutch. I mean, it, it's it's weird to say that it's not the same Alabama because it is the same Alabama. Um, it's the loss to Texas A&M that kind of makes you feel weird about things, especially because Arkansas beat A&M. That's what's confusing is Arkansas beat A&M, and they're still a 21-and-a-half-point underdog – or 21-point underdog to Alabama. Um, so as far as your, your thoughts on Alabama as a whole, would you say that it's a different Alabama team this year? It doesn't feel quite as dominant, and, and that's crazy to say considering they're still number two in the country and – They've, they've beaten everybody except for Texas A&M, and that took, you know, a Herculean effort by Zach Calzada, you know, on one leg or whatever it was to, to win that game. Uh, but they, they almost lost to Florida, and we've seen Florida is not very good this year. They almost lost to LSU, who is not very good, but seems to be playing a lot better lately, a team that Arkansas just beat. Uh, so I, I get the feeling that Alabama isn't quite as good. You know, they're not quite Georgia level right now, uh, but it is still Alabama and they still have Nick Saban on their sidelines. So they're going to have the advantage over pretty much anybody they play. I would probably give them, you know, I'd probably favor them over everybody, but Georgia. Uh, so it, but it is, it is, they look a little bit more human than usual. Alex Trader, I want to ask you about this Alabama offense. Um, I mean, it's it's a very talented offense. We know that their quarterback is the favorite for the Heisman. Um, they have a really good wide receiver, I believe, that is from Ohio State. You're the Ohio State guy. So um, tell us about the wide receiver and tell us about um, that Alabama offense. Yeah, I mean, starting with Jamison Williams, he's a burner. Um, he he did a lot of great things for Ohio State, had a huge touchdown catch against Clemson in, in that Sugar Bowl last year. Um, and it really was was kind of one of the highlight plays of that game. Um, transferred because you're backed up behind guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has really broken out this year. And, and you go to Alabama, of all places, and figure out, hey, I'm significantly better than everyone else on, on one of the best teams in the country. And that's a really interesting dynamic to have if you're Jamison Williams. Um, he has been a real bright spot for Alabama this season over the thousand yard mark on 50 catches. One guy though, who has kind of regressed a little bit from the expectations, John Mechie, not doing nearly as much with, without Devonte Smith and without, uh, not Henry Ruggs, um, Jalen Waddle drawing some of those, some of those, uh, double coverages away. Um, it, it's been a little bit strange seeing how, you know, not, not poor by any means, but kind of st- staggering. Uh, or staggered the numbers are for the receivers. You've got a thousand, you've got 700. And then Slade Bolden's number three, just 23 catches on the year, 224 yards. It, it's not really seeming like that same Alabama offense that you had last year where you can just throw it over the top and take the lid off of everybody. Um, and then going back even more, a couple of years, you used to think of Alabama and think, oh, they're going to run you over and they're just going to go, go not, not three yards in a cloud of dust, but like eight yards in a cloud of dust and just run and run and run. Um, and, and they really have not been able to do that at all this year, just averaging 162 yards on the ground per game. Um, it, it's been not great. Their rushers aren't necessarily getting those big yardage plays. Brian Williams or Brian Robinson, only 800 yards rushing on 164 attempts. Not bad by any means, but not Derrick Henry, not Mark Ingram, not those guys that you think of when you think of an Alabama attack. It's just taken a step back. And part of that, I think, is because of how much you lost. You lost first-round quarterback, first-round running back, two first-round receivers, um, and some O-linemen from, from a, an award-winning O-line. Uh, but in terms of Alabama, I, I think this team is Alabama only in name. Uh, they, they don't hold some of those same qualities that you've seen from the recent national championship contenders. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, they also have another Heisman contender, um, Will Anderson, Hutch, this dude is a beast. Um, Sam Pittman talked a lot about him this week. What does Arkansas have to do to um, game plan against him and just the Alabama defense as a whole? Yeah, they're going to have to use everybody and their brother to block Will Anderson, and Sam Pittman has said that. They're they're not going to just leave their tackles, uh, Minor Cunningham and Dalton Wagner, because they do use Will Anderson on both sides. 
they're not just going to leave them alone to try to block them. They're going to use their tight ends. They're going to use their running backs and, and try to stop him. Uh, are they going to be able to do it? I don't know. It doesn't seem like anyone else has had much success. I mean, he leads the country in tackles for loss, leads the country in sacks. I'm really anxious to see how he looks, you know, this weekend against Arkansas because I've got a Heisman vote and I don't know who I'm going to vote for yet. It seems to be kind of wide open. I'm not hundred percent sold on Bryce young. I know everyone talks about him being a favorite, but this might be a year where I, I put a couple of defensive players on my ballot, you know, Jordan Davis at Georgia uh, and, and Will Anderson at Alabama are two guys that really have my attention. And, and I want to see how uh, Will Anderson does this weekend uh, before I you know decide on where I put him. But uh, he is really, really good. It has the capability of just totally dominating an offense and, and taking over a game. Um, that's interesting. I didn't realize you had a Heisman vote, but congratulations on that, Hutch. Um, I, I want to ask about Arkansas's offense. Um, I, I, look, I look at the teams that have played well against Alabama, and the thing that is interesting is it's not like a consistent thing of they do this one thing right and that's how they beat Alabama. Um, for Arkansas, um, we know that they're a run-first team, um, but are they going to be able to have success against Alabama in the running game, or are they going to have to rely more on K.J. Jefferson throwing the ball a little bit more and having more success in the passing game? Because we know that Traylon Burks is really, really the only guy, um, and then it's just sprinkled to a few guys here and there. So, Hutch, what do you think Arkansas is going to have to do offensively um, right to get the win because, I mean, you have your obvious things. But when it comes down to if there is a late game push, is Arkansas going to have to throw the ball more or run the ball more? Well, I think K.J. Jefferson is going to have to take over the game, uh, whether that be throwing the ball, running the ball. Uh, it's it's going to be K.J. He is your playmaker. Uh, you got to be able to get the ball in Traylon Burke's hands. Uh, he's going to have to play a role. They're going to have to both play – the games of their lives. I mean, this is Alabama. This, if you're going to pull an upset like this, it's going to take incredible, incredible efforts. I mean, we think about, you know, the last time Arkansas beat the number one team in the country was 2007. And who do they have? Darren McFadden running for 200 plus yards on LSU. Uh, I know uh, that, that Alabama is number two. They're not number one, but it's going to take an effort like that, in my opinion. And uh, you're going to need to throw the ball enough to where Alabama can't just stack the box because you are a running team. You need to have success. Dominic Johnson uh, and, and that, that group of running backs are going to have to play well, uh, but I think you're going to need to make some plays through the air and also KJ hurt them with his legs uh, to maybe kind of loosen up that defense a little bit because even though, as Alex said earlier, it's Alabama in name only because they're not quite as dominant as, as we've come to expect, they still have a very good defense that uh, is capable of playing on the, the level of Georgia, uh, just hasn't been quite as consistent. You, you've got you've to attack them, and you've got to do everything right in order to, to move the ball on them. For Arkansas's defense, Alex, I want to ask you about this. What is a possible weakness in the Alabama offense that Arkansas can expose and uh, have success defensively? I think we saw it two weeks ago. If, if you're Barry Odom um, and any, anyone else on Alabama's schedule, for that matter, and you don't take a carbon copy of what LSU did, add a little bit of a twist to it so that the adjustments aren't all there. But if you don't take that game plan and, and run with it, then you're out of your mind. I don't understand how you can see that game and see that LSU had a chance to win that one despite being a severe or significantly worse team this season. Um, and, and not say, hey, we need to do exactly what they did. We need to watch watch all the tape. That's the only game we need to see. Um, and, and if if Barry Odom's not doing that, then I don't know what he's doing. Um, I, I know that you like to sit in in the the kind of drop eight coverage and be able to to make them beat you through the air. But if you can get that pressure and be able to go go after the quarterback and stall, I mean, they got held to six rushing yards. If you can do that again, it's going to be tough to beat anyone, even even though you are Alabama and you do have all those five stars. Well, let's go ahead and start with our thoughts and our predictions for what's going to happen on Saturday. Um, and Alex, we'll just stick with you, man. What do you think is going to happen? How do you see the outcome turning out? Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's going to be another 16-13 type game. I think 
I don't know that Alabama is going to roll away, but I do think that Alabama is in a situation where I don't think that they're going to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, you need to get some style points to try to build a case to say, hey, committee, you, you know, we we know you guys like us a little bit. We're going to give you these style points, make it a little bit easier for you to, to put us in as a two-loss non-conference champion. Um, and I think that has to start against a ranked team in Arkansas. I think um, – I, I think 20 points is probably close to where my final prediction will land. Uh, but I do think that, that the formula is there for Arkansas to kind of go out and, and give them a, a couple of problems early, but you are going against the greatest coach of all time. So um, I, I think Arkansas is going to struggle to move the ball a little bit on offense. Um, one thing that is interesting, LSU is another team that has a whole bunch of three star or five stars and is a much better team in terms of recruiting rankings than Arkansas. Um, given a couple of those guys were hurt, but you still saw that it it was a struggle for for both teams to move the ball. I think the grit and grind and, and Arkansas being able to muck it up will be important. But at the end of the day, I, I just can't see a, a way. I picked Arkansas to beat Georgia earlier. I'm not doing that again. Alabama is going to win this game. Um, and Arkansas, if they can keep it close, that'd be a huge, huge moral victory. Yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same page as you, Alex. Um, I don't think that 21 points is crazy. Um, for Alabama to cover. Uh, I think it's awesome that Arkansas is seven and three, but at the end, I'm not supposed to say at the end of the day, but Arkansas is going to play in Tuscaloosa at 2 30. Um, it's going to be a packed, a packed house at Brian Denny Stadium. I mean, I, I think they'll keep it competitive for a little bit, but Alabama is going to run away with it. Um, it's one of those games where I, I don't know if I can predict Arkansas to beat Alabama until I see it happen. Um, and that's just moving forward um, to next season and the next season, just until Arkansas beats Alabama. I don't know if I can predict them to beat Alabama. So that's where I'm at. Hutch, where are you at? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll have to see it, before, <clears throat> see it to believe it, uh, to think Arkansas can, can beat Alabama. Uh, I do think they have a decent shot of covering maybe. Uh, I could see this game being kind of like a, a 31, 14, you know, 17 point margin. Uh, I just think Alabama is too good and Arkansas is going to have a hard time uh, stopping Will Anderson from taking over the game. I think uh, they can maybe take some stuff from that LSU game, like Alex was saying, and, and implement that on their own defense, but they don't have the same caliber of athletes as LSU does. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And I am pretty sure uh, it's safe to say that, that Arkansas is going to lose this game and it's going to come down to the next week against Missouri as whether or not they can get that eighth win in the regular season, which would be an absolutely phenomenal season for year two of Sam Pittman. That is right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Hogbeat Hour. Be looking for our official score predictions on Saturday morning. That'll be on hogbeat.com. That's where you can find anything you want to know about Arkansas Athletics, Andrew Hutchinson, managing editor. He puts out a ton of content. Alex does recruiting stuff. I do a little bit of a little bit of analysis here and there. You get all your press conferences, all your practice video, anything you need over at hogbeat.com. And you can also get on the message boards as well. A lot of cool content there. Um, but for Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader, I'm Mason Choate. Thank you for listening to the Hogbeat Hour.